Okay, it's time for those kind of crazy, bizarre stories sometimes. <laughs> and sometimes I think, uh, you know, there's, there's a little bit of social media that is uh, in sync with, uh, of course, other media. Um, and sometimes it's just plain funny. It is Bob's Wire. It's coming your way in a short while. WhatsApp messages, voice notes, 0725671567. Your calls are 0214460567. Of course, views and news through till 12. Welcome, Barbara. It's good to have you. Yeah, nice to have you back in studio. It's always better to talk to you in person than... Listen, I was, I was in the traffic for two hours. Shame. Oh, I anyway, was upset. It sounded very cool, the being being up there. Yeah, look, yeah. I, I, I love that province. Yeah, big challenges. This whole country's sure, got big challenges big and so much opportunity at the same time. And let's talk about the big challenges because yes. that's my first this story. Is, this is, this, um, this is important. And uh, it is very interesting. Whatever people might think about former President Thabo Mbeki, he's now come out at the 22nd Annual Conference of SARPAM, giving the keynote address, SARPAM being the independent body Professional and Non-Profit Association, South African Association of Public Administration and Management. He gave uh, the keynote address, and that is now being, clips of it are being shared all over X, formerly known as Twitter, and social media, and articles. A lot of the news houses, media houses are doing analysis. Richard Callan was on Lester this morning talking about Tabombeki's comments. I thought, let's, so basically, it is is a catch-22. He's making a point about the private sector delivering services that government is failing to provide, but that it is a catch-22 because on the one hand, people are forced to make this happen because it would never happen, but of course the poorest of the poor fall through the cracks and then they don't access the kind of things around education, healthcare and other, other issues. I thought let's play the first minute of his address just to give a sense of what Tabo Mbeki was saying. The state becomes less and less capable. It is increasingly bypassed by private actors. This process has been underway for a considerable time already. Those who can afford it rely on private health care and schooling of a quality far higher than that provided by the state. In the absence of reliable electricity from the state-owned utility, those who can afford it install solar power on their rooftops. And the continued such replacements of state services by private entities are taking place all over South Africa. In urban areas, residents associations are fixing portals, while in rural areas, farmers do the same. Civil society organizations like Solidarity are building technical schools and universities. Yeah, and it goes on and and on. Um, But again, you know, uh, there's a disconnect. There's disconnect. I mean, I understand that citizens and private uh, and private institutions want to make things happen. But yeah. then what happens? Because, you know what, in an ideal world, the state plays a very important role. Absolutely. And in our situation, the state cannot. It is incapable right now. Well, research, recent research suggests that South Africa um, has more confidence in the private sector than in the, in the public sector. Oh, That's a no-brainer. No-brainer. <laughs> but, you know, the challenge is, I, d- I don't think the private sector does things out of the goodness of their hearts. <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, it's opportunity that they're after. 
um, and the profit that comes with that. And we've got to be wary of that. I mean, I agree with you, but I also have heard conversations when I've been around where business people speak to each other. And I do think there is also, I'm not denying that maybe at the shareholder, at the level of making money, that that's not true. I think there are people in this country across the board who really want this country to succeed and they want it to work because that's not in the interests of the super rich either for poor people to be climbing over the walls of the compounds you know do, yeah. you, do you know what i mean like it doesn't it's, there's no like there's no sustainability it is a catch-22 like we need you know we also need some of the load off the off the grid so you kind of think well if middle class people can put solar in um, not only to make themselves more comfortable, but to also take a bit of the load off. You know, every single comment you make, potholes that we make, there's a catch-22. You know, citizens, like Tabombeki referred to, citizens fixing potholes. Mm. I mean, we know even in countries like the UK and the US where potholes are an issue too, much more than we realize. Yeah. They actually go and they stop the citizens from fixing the potholes, I suppose because there's got to be an exact way of doing it. But, you know, this is the world we live in, in these sort of democracies where citizens just don't have, they're not empowered to, like, take their lives on and and fix things. And in the instance of Northwest Provinces, I think the citizens probably would have fixed the potholes better than the the municipality. Exactly. I don't know what, I I don't want to make this depressing, but I just don't think, I think it is, as the Daily Maverick headline says, a double-edged sword. It is a double-edged sword. Um, And, and, you know, the business people that I've been listening to spoke to the CEO of the Tourism Business Council yesterday. Um, I'm, I'm asking them, I asked him, shouldn't you be a little more robust in your engagement of government? Um, the frustration is palpable, but the words are measured. Um, you know, words are measured. In in my instance, was radio. I saw the body language, and the body language was like, "This is a really difficult question." Oh, you know, because they're terrified to say the yes. wrong thing. Yes. And that's yes. always my fear: is when you can't speak truth to power, yes. when you can't say what's really going on. It's the emperor's new clothes. You know, this is really the little boy sharp. calls out the truth, mm-hmm. but no one wants to do that really sharp guy on TV last night as well. I think he's also part of business government kind of stuff. Johnson, I think is his name. I'll I'll find him somewhere. And you know, he was, he was, he was, he was measured. He was, he was Mm. astute. Mm. Uh, He was poker face, but he was, he was clutching at straws to tell us where the green shoots are. Exactly. Well, next story. So this is in Ohio, in the United States. Doctors at a hospital in Ohio have been accused of propping up a dead patient to make her appear alive, even though she had apparently died hours earlier during a routine surgery. This according to a lawsuit. So the lawsuit's still pending. It hasn't come to a conclusion. But the family of the woman, a 65-year-old woman who had been in good health, they said, before she underwent surgery at the Adena Health System, in Ohio, she apparently, um, they have said that there are discrepancies between her death certificate and hospital records considering, concerning the time of death. And her records insist she died at 1 p.m. local time, but her death certificate lists her as dying two hours later at 3.05. The family say that the later time was when they were brought into her room, shown her body, allegedly propped up to appear alive. Huh? And they want to know what on earth went down 
They're reporting that uh, doctors allegedly cut into an artery and she obviously bled on the table or she died soon after the operation. This is still pending, but it just reminded me, I'm sorry if this is disrespectful, but like Weekend at Bernie, I don't know if that was ever a movie you saw where that family was staying at the seaside and they dragged the 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 uncle's body around. He died and they didn't know how to report it and they kept put dragging him into the car and to the beach. It was always it was one of those movies that sort of Bizarre. stuck in my mind. Oh. But I mean, can you imagine, I mean, sorry, that's disrespectful, to come in, if you do suspect that happened, it just makes me so nervous that, like, hospitals can actually even possibly cover that up. Yeah. No. Look, I mean, she died. Okay, that, that that doesn't change. So that's the bizarre. That's the bizarre. But then, no, more bizarre. No, this isn't bizarre. I love this story. I love this story. Um, what did the one um, article say? They said, bad sheep. So this is a story out of um, out of Europe, out of uh, Greece, actually. Uh, in a town, Almiris, in Thessaly, in Greece, where a flock of sheep broke into a greenhouse and devoured 600 pounds of medical cannabis. This according to Newsweek. The sheep were seeking refuge from flooding after the aftermath of Storm Daniel that had taken place in the area. That was when the storm hit central and eastern Mediterranean area, leading to extreme flooding. And apparently, um, they'd, they, they, in spite of the floodwaters, they found, they were looking for food and there was none. So they found greener pastures by breaking into the greenhouse with all of this marijuana. And they had a final time of it. And the farmer says he noticed his sheep were acting a little bit differently. They were jumping higher than goats. And he has a picture of one, I assume it's one of the sheep, smiling like the ha- look at that happy sheep that's a happy sheep <laughs> look on a more serious note they were um, flocking off you said. two things so they've had droughts then they had floods so he says the medical because it's legal there to grow medical marijuana he says their crop really has taken strain at first it was droughts then it was floods and then finally the sheep got it but I think on a more serious note, um, you know, cannabis in large quantities isn't actually great for animals. I don't think it would be great for us either, quite frankly, but anyway. And that there's quite an and uptick has in it. cases. <laughs> has it. There's an uptick in cases in the last year of, um, you know, animals being kind of poisoned from maybe ingesting their their humans' dacha cookies and the like. Yeah. So I think be careful. Please don't be feeding your dogs or cats uh you know, I know people give um, catnip to cats, which seems to have a similar effect. I follow a few on Instagram, and the cats like roll around in it, having like a complete like high time. But that's different. Sure. Don't be giving. And I know cannabis oil, which is a different measure, it is given help. to to animals yeah. to calm them down correctly in the right doses. But let's not be feeding them our, our, cookies, our edibles, our space cookies. No, for sure. <laughs> Fascinating story. So six hundred sheep are high on uh, medical cannabis. Fascinating story. Great picks accompanying that fascinating story.